Refresh our spirits, our Lord. Come and move gently, the fresh wind, that it might ground us in your word, that it might inspire us with your presence, that it might transform us through your power. Lord, breathe upon us, each one of us as an individual and as your church, that we might be released to be your people, living for your glory, encountering your greatness. Heavenly Father, breathe upon us. Crucified, risen Lord Jesus, walk amongst us. Heavenly Father, let your love surround us. We give you praise, we worship you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Good to see you. Please take a seat. Speaking on encouragement this morning, can we just encourage our worship team for leading us into the presence of God? Uh, We are blessed with the people who serve in our ministries here at Hope Valley. And I believe in all member ministry that everyone has a grace upon them that they might be able to serve in a ministry and use that for God's glory. And we bring it together as this beautiful jigsaw puzzle which comes together and we are the body of Christ. So thank you all because I all know that you serve that in various ways throughout the life of our church. There's one area which is very obvious and we are blessed, but thank you for the way in which you are the people of God building up the body of Christ in the ministry that God has called you to. And we are enjoying these 28 days of community. I was so encouraged to hear that so many of you had joined in group life. The Christian life is not a solo life. And people say, but you can get by on your own. And I would say, yeah, but the Lone Ranger even had Tonto. So you can't do it on your own. We're better together and we learn from each other and we want to keep on being able to develop a life together. The New Testament was written to communities. Yes, there are individuals who are given instruction, but they're given instruction on how to help lead communities. And we want to be this faithful community for a wider community. And we want to grow as a New Testament community with Jesus central so that we can embody Christ in our world. It needs to be visible and how we interact is so important. Uh, We come and we are in proximity, but we want to be so much more and hence we're working through this series about growing together, knowing one another, encouraging each other, serving one another and having all that develop around us. When we talk about these deep themes, uh, what we seek to actually do is have the scriptures ground in us deep character. What that does is make sure that when we talk about being in uh, kind of this place where we are interacting with one another in sacred spaces often, that it needs to be safe. And hence, as a church, we constantly talk about this being a safe place for people. In essence, the gospel message is a dangerous message because it transforms us. It brings us into contact with other people and we grow together. And so we are incredibly hot on making sure that our church is safe, safe for children, safe for those who are vulnerable, safe for us all. And so we want to keep on embedding deep character into who we are as God's people so that we can be 
ready to encounter the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's what we are about. We are in interesting times as we continue to navigate our way around. In, in fact, I was just thinking about how things have changed. Yesterday, we went to buy some vinegar for the kids' ministry. That activity they're doing out there, which your kids are going to come back dirty from, involves vinegar. We had to go to two coals and they were sold out of vinegar. There's a supply chain issue on vinegar. Who would have thought? But I'm going to give you a little clue. The reject shop's got 500ml bottles for 50 cents of vinegar. And so if you're looking for vinegar, Engle Farm, reject shop, get as much as you want, only 50 cents a bottle. I'm not sure where it's imported from, but they've got it. Interesting times. Even language has changed a lot over these years. I mean, to be honest with you, last week I was with a couple of friends and we were talking about the impact of COVID and, and the Omicron and how you know some people can have symptoms and some don't and, and how that affects people. And they said, we think we know some people who have had COVID but never got tested, but they don't know. So let's call that Dovid. You don't know whether you've had it or not, but maybe you have, right? Or <laughs> the... A few years ago, we would teach people, look, only hang around positive people. <laughs> and then last year we say, look, just hang around negative people. <laughs> and now we say, look, just be careful of everyone, right? So going to stay away from them. So it's interesting times as all this language kind of keeps on going on. In fact, when I was in high school, if you heard the word close contact, that meant something totally different to what it means now. Back in the 80s at Campbelltown High, someone had close contact. It was like, really? But now it's, you know, pushes people apart. We're talking about community. Actually, I, we, I put out in our social media stream a, a little a question, and some of you might have seen it on our Facebook in particular. And I asked the question, why does every community need a local church? And you might see that out on the banner on the Grand Junction Road we have Every community needs a local church, and this is yours, really as a, as a message. And, and I firmly believe that, uh, that we are to be a unique community in the wider community, uh, that we offer something which is uh, critically needed. And I deeply believe in the local church in particular uh, and local bodies of people like ourselves and what our mission is and what we are to be about. And I invited people to comment and so here's some of the comments that uh, you uh, kind of fed back to me, and I was greatly encouraged. Someone said, to belong to a community that loves them endlessly with all their faults and flaws, a community to rely on and lean on for support, to form bonds with people that are like no other and share the love of our Lord and Saviour. <laughs> That's awesome. Another person said, we all need somewhere to go when we finally come to the realisation that we're broken. You ever come to that realisation and go, you know what, I'm just broken. In fact, what are we really? We're one big dysfunctional family, all a little bit broken, all a little bit not quite right. But it is then the place where healing is offered in what is ideally a welcoming and nurturing environment made up of other people who also have come to recognise their brokenness. It's kind of that authentic kind of place in which we live. But there's a place where we realise our true value and find our purpose and potential. 
Another person said, when you live far away from family, the local church is where you gather as somewhere familiar. We have a number of people uh, in our church who have immigrated to Australia and this is their family because they're away from their family. And uh, this picks up the essence of that, where you can share a common faith, worship a father we all love and believe in and build relationships. Another person said, the local church is where individuals can find real community, acceptance without criticism, unconditional love and grow in the love of God's grace. Another person said, because no one should go through life alone. Sharing the love of Jesus as a community with our community is a privilege, a joy and a blessing. And then another person responded with this. Every community needs a local church because every community needs Jesus. How true is that? To know Jesus, the one who embodied the heart of the loving Father who has come, who has shown us a way, who is our example, who is our model, the one we aspire to, the one that we actually have the opportunity to be formed into the likeness of and offer something of real, genuine hope to meet real and genuine needs. A local church exists because every community needs Jesus. Friends, we can often just talk spiritually, but there's something specific, personal and unique about Jesus and that's what we particularly offer. And then we have the joy of growing together. So I hope you're encouraged by just that understanding of why every community needs a local church and we are one and we stand in a great move of the Holy Spirit which continues to breathe life into a community which embodies Jesus in our world. And so today we are going to talk about this great topic of encouragement. Uh, We're going to talk about encouragement and what it means to be encouraged. This is, I'd like to really talk about this for a long time but I'm going to keep it succinct for you and most of you are going, we're going to encourage you in that kind of because encouragement is just such a critical, vital and beautiful ingredient to life. It breathes life. Of course, the root word comes from this word which sits within it, courage. And it essentially says to put in courage, to actually add something in to that which is needing to be built up, to be encouraged. It is to take heart to give fortitude, to build up. And I I kind of did a word search of encourage through the scriptures and I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but I sought to just summarise a few key ways that encouragement in particular, what it brings and what it offers to the people of faith. And here are the four things which I just have put into a brief synopsis for you. Firstly, Encouragement is the sweet balm of healing. What we read in the scriptures is that when people come and encourage for those who are broken, for those who are hurting, for those who are unwell, the encouragement that others bring is a sweet balm to healing. So critical then, right, that we'd be people of encouragement. 
Secondly, encouragement is the good oil of harmony. Now, we do live in a culture which rightfully knows how to critique. And modernism existed, then postmodernism was, was talked really about how to deconstruct, and the prime way in which we did that was to critique. Now, you can, if you deconstruct to a, an ongoing part way, all you simply then have is deconstructed parts. Okay? And critique upon critique upon critique upon critique, all we'll leave you with is parts which are broken, separate, and yet encouragement works against that and seeks to build up. Critique is important, but without encouragement, you don't see the building up coming about. And so encouragement is the good oil of harmony. It is what brings things together. It is what builds people up. It's what works things together. Thirdly, encouragement is the fortitude to tackle fear. When you're feeling up against it, when you're feeling like, what's the way forward? A good word of encouragement, a good bit of a long-sightedness will allow you to tackle that fear. And number four, encouragement is one of a friend's greatest offerings. Who's got a friend that they just love to hang around because all they do is simply pretty much encourage you? You got one of those? Yeah? And you, you, sometimes you compare that to the friend who just wants to critique, right? The post-conversation's quite different, right? In your debrief. In fact, in Acts, the book of Acts, we read of a guy, his name is Barnabas. And Barnabas means son of encouragement. And he is celebrated in the book of Acts because he is sent as a friend to encourage churches, encourage individuals, because he just simply encourages. He's considered with great warmth. Encouragement is one of a friend's greatest offerings. And so what we see is that encouragement within the people of God, within our lives, is a vital ingredient to the work of building up and ushering in the kingdom of God, his purposes his, and his will and his ways. And so I was thinking about and thinking, who actually needs to be encouraged? And if I asked that question here, I suspect many of you would go, oh, yeah, I'll take a little. Would I be right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually came today hoping that I'd get some encouragement. They talk about the five love languages, the ways in which we give and receive love, which, by the way, was, came up, was developed by a pastor in, through his counselling and has now been scientifically proven. It can't be added to either. There's not a sixth love language. But they talk about that the top love language is words of affirmation because simply people go, oh, I'll drink that in. You give me a word of affirmation, Heck, I'll run off four days on that. And so we find that it is absolutely critical. Most people want to be encouraged. But I probably think that at certain times there's a certain groups of people who need to be encouraged. And there are seasons where you go, you know what? We see that group. They would need some encouragement at this time. Now, I think about educators right now. 
who have had a staggered start to the year, wonder whether their learning's getting through or not, the students coming back, most of them still feel like they're on holidays, have been on, and they're like, how do we, and we, how do we encourage our educators? Or how do we encourage leaders who are in the third year of having to pivot and navigate, find their way through, uh, giving hope and clear direction to their people in an unknown situation? I would say that they're people who would need extra encouragement. I also think about parents who are raising kids in a, in a world where the constructs have been deconstructed, where it's a bit uncertain. We're thinking, well, how are they going to you know, get a place to live? How are they going to afford that? Or am I doing the right things for my kid? What decisions do I make? What I would say that parents right now, you need great encouragement. Your kid's normal. Your kid's okay. You're doing a great job. The way I see you love them, support them, are with them in a world that's uncertain, great job. The way in which you're sharing the cornerstone of faith so that they can grow up with something to hold on to, good work. Encouragement. I think maybe for people, those who are feeling quite isolated, you know what, this is a time where I'm, I'm feeling really alone. How can I come along and bring encouragement to them? And then I think about what we have in the Christian life, those who are stepping out early in faith. I tell you, when you're stepping out early in faith, you need a lot of encouragement. Good job, this faith decision that you've made to follow Jesus, the salvation that you've come to know. Yes, it's going to be difficult, but we're going to walk with you. Keep at it. You're doing well. Keep going. Yes, there's going to be some challenges, but that's okay. You'll steal yourself. You'll grow through that. Yes, there's going to be some highs. Enjoy those. Encourage those who are in the faith. And so many ways in which we are called to encourage. Well, let's think about, of course, to hold on to encouragement, we actually need to defeat the enemy of encouragement, which is, of course, discouragement. And this is the thing about discouragement. It can happen incredibly quickly. It can happen to you in a moment, but hijack your day. You're going along fine and something which you had set up or something which you were about all of a sudden comes back and it comes down and you go, oh, the wind's out of your sail, your spirit drops, your mind goes, what's the point? You are energised, your energy goes away and now you're discouraged and it's hijacked your day. Might to go on for a couple of days, you go, oh, wow, I was doing so well. And it can happen quickly. Could be because you have unanswered prayer. Could be that you're let down. You feel like you're overlooked, undervalued, unappreciated. Outcomes haven't warranted the effort that you put in. And you know what? The devil can use any one of those to take you out. And so we need to find a way in which we can defeat discouragement so that we can be encouraged. So how do I overcome discouragement? Well, firstly, there's a number of ways. Firstly, what you do want to look at, really, is how you can separate discouragement from fear. You see, the difference is, is that discouragement and fear have different sources, but they often feel like they result in the same outcome. In the scriptures, we see that is often repeated, do not be afraid or do not be discouraged or do not be dismayed. This is really interesting. I go, look at those two sitting together. Why does it look saying, look, take courage against those or you know, fight both of them? 
mainly because I think there's the same outcome. If you're discouraged, you feel like, oh, what's the point? And you immobilise yourself and you lose energy and so you don't work out the purposes or, the, or what you need to do. And the same happens when you are feeling fearful. Okay, I'm just going to retract. I'm not going to go about what I'm meant to be about. And there's the same outcome. So they go together. But the sources are different. So you need to determine whether you're living out of a fear or out of discouragement. Because then you can separate the two and go, okay, well, I'm going to beat the discouragement. You see, we think about the pandemic, which is going on. People go, am I fearful or am I discouraged? They both kind of lead into the same outcome. What kind of energy, which way am I going? How's it all happening? But they're quite different. Some of us say, you know what? I'm not actually heaps afraid, but I am feeling discouraged because the things which I put work into can't come to play or the plans that I've had haven't been able to find their way out. And so I'm discouraged, not fearful. Do you see the difference? And it's important to separate the two. And we often don't because the outcome feels very different. So we need to separate and work out what is the dis- what's discouraged me and what I am afraid of. And so we see a number of scriptures which pick up those two sitting together and the outcome which come with it. So if you're going to then say, okay, well, I'm being discouraged, what am I going to do with that within my spirit? Well, we need to go about finding a way in which we can be encouraged, first and foremost, by the Lord. You see, he is perfect and he is faithful and he always speaks words of encouragement to his people. And if we come and we're just relying on, you know, just fallen humanity, we're looking for encouragement, we don't get that, then we live on in our discouragement. But if we know how to go to the Lord and find that place where he can speak directly into our spirit, into our minds and remind us who we are, then indeed we can be encouraged first and foremost by the one who believes in us. There's a scripture which really unpacks this fairly strongly for us from Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 19 through to verses 23. Now in verse 20, sorry, to verse 25. In verse 25, we often use this in Christian world to talk about what we should do. It says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What we see is this simple command of what we should do. Keep gathering together and bring encouragement. But the pretext is absolutely critical. If you just read that out of context, it doesn't tell you where the source of encouragement is that you are to bring to others or what you should do. See, the pretext brings us into that deep place where we are encouraged by the Lord. And it starts there in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Look at the power of that. That we are actually able to enter into the holy place of God, his palace, his throne room, into his kingdom, into the holy of holies of the most high God made a way by the blood of Jesus, what he did, how he made a new and living way open for us through the curtain, through what he did on the work on the cross. 
We have a confidence, friends, to come into that place where we can be encouraged by the very voice and presence of God. So often we keep looking for the external to prop us up. And yet this invitation to come into that holy place so that our spirit might be encouraged and have that confidence is there for us. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Notice what this work does. It lines us up. It makes us secure in Christ. It clarifies our agendas. It clears up our conscience. It makes us right with God and we can hear him whisper the deep words of worth and value to you in the presence of God through what Christ has done. And it makes us right within our spirit. How important is that? Because sometimes we don't encourage because our agendas aren't quite right or our insecurities get a hold of us. Well, how can I encourage? Because it looks like it's building them up and makes me feel less. No, you are of infinite worth, incredible value, loved by God. And you get that encouragement in the Holy of Holies, in that place before God. It is the invitation into a place where God can whisper the words of assurance that you need to hear. Then it goes on, it says, Then let us hold fast the confession of our hope. How to stir one another up to love and good works. You see, for us to grow in this, we find that God does an internal work and then we are stirred up to bring something of worth. Not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another because we've already been encouraged in the Lord. So critical. And so we have something to bring to be an encourager. And see, what we are then as people is that the maturing believer comes to the gathering of believers to offer encouragement first. The one who is young in the faith, and this is okay and this is right, is coping that someone will encourage them because they're still getting a lot of cues from the people of God, and that's right. And this is the essence of the Christian journey. You start growing in your faith and you need a lot of encouragement from others because you're still learning to hear the whisper of God, to see how he works. And then the journey grows as you work through the some of what life brings you and you keep relying on your faith and you learn to hear the encouragement that God gives you until you come to the place where church isn't just come to a place where you're going to be encouraged, but the gathering of God's people is the place where you come to offer encouragement. Now, I know what it's like. Sometimes you're just happy if you get here on time. Or you're just grateful that, wow, the song's actually touching and you're being encouraged. I get that. Life happens. The invitation of Scripture is to extend it to a place where you're actually growing in the Lord, that your preparation for the gathering of God's people begins long before you just arrive. That it's in that place before God going, Lord, what are you stirring in my heart? And how am I being encouraged so that I can bring something 
In the Corinthians talks about this place. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. We are to be a people who are prepared to grow into that place so that we have something to bring. What for? For the building up. A preparation for the gathering of God's people is to bring something. Now we can assume that in any gathering there is someone who needs something and I can, by the miracle of God's grace, if you can line up that you've got something to bring which is going to line up with something that someone needs, there is a transaction of the Holy Spirit where God goes, yes, I can work in that. But if it's all just people I just need and so on, I'm not bringing, that is never going to happen. And essentially what we want to get to a place where we're maturing so much that we've got so much to bring that we can meet so much need. So we want to grow as an encourager. Well, how, how, do you, how do you do it? Well, like I said, the scripture here from 1 Corinthians gives us some ideas, but just generally you want to grow as an encourager, I would have thought, and there's a variety of ways that you can do that. And I think sometimes the best way is when, it, when you just see it in the moment. There's something good and, right, I've, I'm, I'm kind of prepared and I can bring something to meet a need and encourage something that you see which is good in someone's life. Oh, and look, Friends, use a variety of means. There is so many ways that you can bring a word of encouragement or encourage someone. I mean, look at how many apps you've got on your phone. You can send a text. Some people don't feel very comfortable with the verbal. I've noticed that across my four children, every single one of them is different different ways that they receive encouragement. One of them, it's very verbal. <laughs> you look good. Yeah, thanks, Dad. You're doing well. <laughs> thanks, Dad, I know. <laughs> I'll write on that for three days. Another one, if I said that, I don't believe you. Another one, if I said, look, you look great. Uh-uh, no, I don't. No, no, no. You're doing well. You yeah, think so? I'm not so sure. They don't believe you. What are you trying to get out of me? What's your agenda? It has to be a different way to encourage. For one of them, it's really a very personal note. And I'll let you know that paper outweighs digital by about 10 to 1. You can send a text, but if you write it down, wow, it carries more weight. Does anyone know that? Bring back paper. Recycled. <laughs> Any one of us today could make a huge impact in another person's life if you grabbed a piece of paper, wrote someone's name on it and said, I was just thinking this, I want to encourage you in that and go up to them and say, you can read it now, you can read it later, but here it is. Take this. There are some people who get a note like that, they haven't received it in 10 years, they're going to hold on to it for 10 years, put it in their wallet. This is what the power of encouragement can do. Be specific. Be personal. See what you notice. Put it in there. 
and be an encourager. And I'd mostly say that you want to really lean in and take note to how you can be encouraged and be an encourager. If someone is encouraging you, take it on face value. Go, thank you. Receive it. Don't try and dismiss it. Put it into your foundation. Say, yes, there's notice and I'm of good worth. Sometimes we think so poorly of ourselves, we just don't believe it and we try to dismiss it. I'd say, take it and gladly receive it. And then, whenever you can, give it away. Try to hear your own voice. Read the nature of your heart. Lean in to what the Holy Spirit is saying. God whispers words of encouragement that you are to receive yourself and that you are to pass on. Ultimately, what we as believers are seeking to do, and they talked about that scripture that we would have a conscience which is made clean through the blood of Jesus, is that essentially what that is doing is cleaning us up so that we might, each one of us, be a conduit of God's grace. A clean vessel through which the power of the Lord can move. And if you can find a way to hear the encouraging words of God and pass that on in whatever way, I can assure you that the kingdom of God will break in in a refreshing way. You are a vessel through which blessing flows. Be used by God in a very powerful way so that we all might grow in the confidence of the faith and the promises that we might defeat discouragement and that we might be able to walk in to the potential that each one of us has. Amen? We can be a people of encouragement. It doesn't cost us a thing, but it costs Jesus everything that we might be able to minister in his power and in his grace. Let us be in prayer. Jesus, come and move amongst us. Refresh us. Right now, our God, invite us into that holy place where we are deep within your presence. Right now, I just feel that there are people just standing on the outside door, wondering whether they can open that up and go in. Jesus has made a way for you to go into the presence of God. Open the door and start moving through. If you see another door, the door is open. If you see another door, knock and we open to you. Come into the holy place. You are welcome. You are expected. You are invited. God is there and he is waiting. Come in. And thus know that Jesus has made that way and that which is on your heart, which you think is separating you from being in the presence of God, the sin, the mark, the tarnish, the hurt, whatever it is, he is taking it upon himself to give you a clean conscience so that you might be able to hear the whisper of God encourage you in your spirit this morning. Lord, speak as we come into your presence. Whisper the words of life that we are your beloved that you've sown in eternal purposes, that you have given us a confidence to live them out, that you believe in us, that you've chosen us, that we are of great worth, that you see every work that we do. 
that you are for us, that you love us, that you hold us, that you'll get us through, that you'll guide our steps as we make our plans. Speak those words of encouragement. Let us know that you are proud of the way that we are growing in you, the way that you are leading us and we're hearing your voice. And as we're in that place, Lord, keep shaping us. May it be a great delight to be formed into more of your son. We thank you, Lord, that we can humbly give over those bits to you that we're just not happy about and you take them and you, you take them to the cross and they're moved on and you make our conscience right. We thank you, Lord, that you do this for a reason, that we might be vessels through which your grace might flow. And as we're encouraged in our spirits in your presence, that we might take that out to be an encouragement to others, to walk in the truth, to fight the good fight, to grow in faith, to say you're doing well, I'm proud of you, good job. May we be a people who encourage just as you encourage us. And may it build within us and stir within us good works that show that Jesus is alive and active in our world. Holy Spirit, bring before us those that we need to encourage and give us the confidence to find ways that we can build them up to take heart in who they are. We give you thanks. We give you all the glory. We surrender to you. We receive the blessing and we're grateful. We seek to be a blessing to others. May all glory and honour and worth and anything good which comes out of the work that you're doing within us be attributed to you and the great power through which you work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, let us stand. We're going to sing this beautiful song which talks about a blessing carrying on from generation to generation. And I pray that you'd take it deep into your spirit this morning and be encouraged in the Lord.